Welcome to this special edition of First Chapter Fridays. To celebrate Halloween, we are going to be reading from three different short story collections full of spooky tales. We will have stories for middle grade readers, YA readers, and adult readers, so make sure you stick around to the end. Happy listening! Our first story is perfect for middle grade readers. This story is from the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the best-selling series by Alvin Schwartz. The story is called The Big Toe. A boy was digging at the edge of the garden when he saw a big toe. He tried to pick it up, but it was stuck to something, so he gave it a good hard jerk and it came off in his hand. Then he heard something groan and scamper away. The boy took the toe into the kitchen and showed it to his mother. It looks nice and plump, she said. I'll put it in the soup and we'll have it for supper. That night, his father carved the toe into three pieces and they each had a piece. Then they did the dishes and when it got dark, they went to bed. The boy fell asleep almost at once. But in the middle of the night, a sound awakened him. It was something out in the street. It was a voice, and it was calling to him. Where is my toe? It groaned. When the boy heard that, he got very scared. But he thought, it doesn't know where I am. It never will find me. Then he heard the voice once more. Only now, it was closer. Where is my toe? It groaned. The boy pulled the blankets over his head and closed his eyes. I'll go to sleep, he thought. Then, when I wake up, it will be gone. But soon he heard the back door open, and again he heard the voice. Where is my toe? It groaned. Then, the boy heard footsteps move through the kitchen into the dining room, into the living room, into the front hall. Then slowly they climbed the stairs. Closer and closer they came. Soon, they were in the upstairs hall. Now, they were outside his door. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. His door opened. Shaking with fear, he listened as the footsteps slowly moved through the dark toward his bed. Then they stopped. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. You've got it! Now for our YA pick, the graphic novel Through the Woods, stories by Emily Carroll. Seven days ago, our father left us while he went hunting. He left my older sister in charge of me and my younger sister. I'll be gone for three days, he said. But if I'm not back by the sunset on the third day, pack some food, dress up warm, and travel to our neighbor's house. On the first day, we played games like Mother's Cup and Widow's Leap and Crooks and Crosses. On the second day, we did our chores. And on the third day, 
we were struck by a strange lethargy and barely moved at all. That evening, the sun set blood red in a white sky, and when I saw it, I knew our father was dead. The next morning, I did as our father said. I packed up food for us to eat, and I boiled some water for us to drink, and I pulled our warm cloaks down from their hooks. But when I'm ready to leave, our father will return, my sister said. We'll starve in the snow if we leave now. We spent the night arguing and went to bed angry, which I now regret. We didn't leave the next day either, but my sister was different. No longer angry, she was happy. She said a man had come to the door in the night, yet I had heard no knock, and there were no footprints in the snow outside. She said he was a tall man in a wide-brimmed hat with a smile that showed all his teeth. But anything else, my sister would not say. In the morning, there was a little food missing, and half of the water and the matches were gone. The pea-green cloak had disappeared too, and so had my sister. My little sister cried all morning. There was no place in the house to escape the wailing. By the afternoon, her eyes were slick and puffy. Outside, the snow had reached the windows, burying any footsteps or paths. And inside, there was a stillness, like the air itself had frozen. When we woke next, my little sister said a man had come to the door. She couldn't remember what he said or what he looked like, aside from his wide-brimmed hat and his toothy smile. Somehow, this cheered her. But I was furious. He took Mary, I cried. I'm sure of it. But again, there were no tracks in the snow. So I searched the cellar, every dark corner. And I searched upstairs, under our father's empty bed and beneath our cold one. Convinced that somewhere in our house, a man in a wide-brimmed hat had my sister hidden. This morning I am alone. And all the food is gone along with the kindling, and all the cloaks but mine. Tonight, I know a man in a wide-brimmed hat will come for me. I walk and shiver and picture them, waiting at our neighbor's house. My sisters were wrong about one thing. While the brim of his hat is very wide, and while he does smile, indeed, it looks impossible for him to do anything else, it is obvious just at a glance. He is no man. For adult readers, Ghostly, a collection of ghost stories introduced and illustrated by Audrey Niffenegger. The Open Window by Saki. My aunt will be down presently, Mr. Nuttall, said a very self-possessed young lady of 15. In the meantime, you must try and put up with me. Frampton Nuttall endeavored to say the correct something which would duly flatter the niece of the moment without unduly discounting the aunt that was to come. 
Privately, he doubted more than ever whether these formal visits on a succession of total strangers would do much towards helping the nerve cure which he was supposed to be undergoing. I know how it will be, his sister had said when he was preparing to migrate to this rural retreat. You will bury yourself down there and not speak to a living soul and your nerves will be worse than ever from moping. I shall just give you letters of introduction to all the people I know there. Some of them, as far as I can remember, were quite nice. Frampton wondered whether Mrs. Sappleton, the lady to whom he was presenting one of the letters of introduction, came into the nice division. Do you know many of the people around here? asked the niece when she judged that they had had sufficient silent communion. Hardly a soul, said Frampton. My sister was staying here at the rectory, you know, some four years ago, and she gave me letters of introduction to some of the people here. He made the last statement in a tone of distinct regret. Then you know practically nothing about my aunt, pursued the self-possessed young lady. Only her name and address, admitted the caller. He was wondering whether Mrs. Sappleton was in the married or widowed state. An undefinable something about the room seemed to suggest masculine habitation. Her great tragedy happened just three years ago, said the child. That would be since your sister's time. Her tragedy, asked Frampton. Somehow in this restful country spot, tragedy seemed out of place. You may wonder why we keep that window wide open on an October afternoon, said the niece, indicating a large French window that opened onto a lawn. It is quite warm for the time of the year, said Frampton. But has that window got anything to do with the tragedy? Out through that window three years ago to a day, her husband and her two young brothers went off for their day's shooting they never came back. In crossing the moor to their favorite snipes shooting ground, they were all three engulfed in a treacherous piece of bog. It had been that dreadful wet summer, you know, and places that were safe in other years gave way suddenly without warning. Their bodies were never recovered. That was the dreadful part of it. Here the child's voice lost its self-possessed note and became falteringly human. Poor aunt always thinks that they will come back someday they and the little brown spaniel that was lost with them, and walk in at that window just the way they used to do. That is why the window is kept open every evening till it is quite dusk. Poor dear aunt, she has often told me how they went out. Her husband with his white waterproof coat over his arm, and Ronnie, her youngest brother, singing, Bertie, why do you bound? As he always did to tease her, because she said it got on her nerves. Do you know, sometimes on still, quiet evenings like this, I almost get a creepy feeling that they will all walk in through that window. She broke off with a little shudder. It was a relief to Frampton when the aunt bustled into the room with a whirl of apologies for being late in making her appearance. I hope Vera has been amusing you, she said. She has been very interesting, said Frampton. I hope you don't mind the open window, said Mrs. Sappleton briskly. My husband and brothers will be home directly from shooting, and they always come in this way. They've been out for snipe in the marshes today, so they'll make a fine mess over my poor carpets. So like you men folk, isn't it? She rattled on cheerfully about the shooting and the scarcity of birds and the prospects for duck in the winter. To Frampton, it was all purely horrible. He made a desperate but only partially successful effort to turn the talk onto a less ghastly topic. 
He was conscious that his hostess was giving him only a fragment of her attention, and her eyes were constantly straying past him to the open window and the lawn beyond. It was certainly an unfortunate coincidence that he should have paid this visit on this tragic anniversary. The doctors agree in ordering me complete rest, an absence of mental excitement, and avoidance of anything in the nature of violent physical exercise, announced Frampton, who labored under the tolerably widespread delusion that total strangers and chance acquaintances are hungry for the least detail of one's ailments and infirmities, their cause and cure. On the matter of diet, they are not so much in agreement, he continued. No, said Mrs. Sappleton, in a voice which only replaced a yawn at the last moment. Then she suddenly brightened into alert attention, but not to what Frampton was saying. Here they are at last, she cried, just in time for tea, and don't they look as if they were muddy up to the eyes? Frampton shivered slightly and turned towards the niece with a look intended to convey sympathetic comprehension. The child was staring out through the open window with dazed horror in her eyes. In a chill shock of nameless fear, Frampton swung round in his seat and looked in the same direction. In the deepening twilight, three figures were walking across the lawn towards the window. They all carried guns under their arms, and one of them was additionally burdened with a white coat hung over his shoulders. A tired brown spaniel kept close at their heels. Noiselessly, they neared the house, and then a hoarse young voice chanted out of the dusk, I said, Bertie, why do you bound? Frampton grabbed wildly at his stick and hat. The hall door, the gravel drive, and the front gate were dimly noted stages in his headlong retreat. A cyclist coming along the road had to run into the hedge to avoid imminent collision. Here we are, my dear, said the bearer of the white Macintosh coming in through the window. Fairly muddy, but most of it dry. Who was that who bolted out as we came up? A most extraordinary man, a Mr. Nuttall, said Mrs. Sappleton could only talk about his illnesses and dashed off without a word of goodbye or apology when you arrived. One would think he had seen a ghost. I expect it was the Spaniel, said the niece calmly. He told me he had a horror of dogs. He was once hunted into a cemetery somewhere on the banks of the Ganges by a pack of pariah dogs and had to spend the night in a newly dug grave with the creatures snarling and grinning and foaming just above him enough to make one lose their nerve. Romance at short notice was her specialty. Thanks for listening to this special edition of First Chapter Fridays with ACL. If you would like to read any of the books mentioned today, check out the description for links to the library's catalog. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was written by Alvin Schwartz and published by HarperCollins. Through the Woods was written and illustrated by Emily Carroll and published by Margaret K. McElderry Books, an imprint of Simon & Schuster Children's Publishing Division. Both stories are read by Youth Services Librarian Haley. Ghostly, a collection of ghost stories, was edited, illustrated, and introduced by Audrey Niffenegger. It was published by Scribner, an imprint of Simon & Schuster, Inc., and it was read for you today by library aide Vicki. Tune in next week for a fun middle-grade ghost story that is Coco meets Stranger Things with a hint of Ghostbusters. See you then!